The following content is explicit. It's Friday, April 6th, 2018 from Slate. It's The Gist. I'm Mike Pesca. So you know how other countries have shadow ministers, usually parliamentary systems? And what it is, is let's say the conservatives are in power. The Labor Party would have their shadow minister for every department. So the defense, or they might call it the, um, the, the minister of war, something like that, minister of defense. The main minister of defense would say, we should bomb those people. Whereas the shadow minister would come out with the alternate policy, we shouldn't bomb those people. Now, as you go down the list of government ministers, they become less important. So you have the specter of the shadow minister of sport saying, uh, I guess we should have tried to attempt the penalty kick in the upper left, not the upper right corner. You know, thinking about it, in a way, sports talk radio, isn't it really the shadow government for all that city's head coaches? One to grow on. So here's what I think we need. We need a shadow Trump, which is a different government Uh, aligned against Trump, but using the position of Trump against them. So this isn't a shadow president, right? Chuck and Nancy aren't the shadow Trump. Those are leaders of the Democrat. And the Trump, the Trump that I think of, not a leader, not a thinker, just a guy who insults other people on Twitter. And that's what we need. We need the alternate version of that, insulting the Trump administration via the methods of Trump, and use it against the people in the Trump administration. I'm mainly thinking of one tactic, the tactic of nicknames. And I think this could really work. We could reshape the administration if we just had a shadow minister, a shadow Trump driving the agenda, and he could set his sights on EPA administrator Scott Pruitt. And and Scott Pruitt might be out by the time you're listening to this, but he would have been booted in 12 minutes if there were just a shadow Trump to label the guy Swampy Scott. Swampy Scott wanted a $70,000 desk. Swampy Scott wanted to buy with taxpayer money a $100,000 a month subscription to a charter airline company. Hashtag drain the Scott. Now you might be saying, Mike, that's not such a good Trump impersonation. It's not supposed to be. It's a shadow Trump. Swampy Scott wants to put the lights and sirens on when stuck in traffic. You are the crime scene, Swampy Scott. First class aspirations, third class work ethic, Swampy Scott. Swamp Scott, not just a town in Massachusetts, still the administrator of the EPA. Hashtag drain the Scott, Swampy Scott. I think the idea has legs. I'm telling, I'm telling myself, it's my idea, so <laughs> I'm telling you it has legs. You could use it to shame administration members with nicknames that you know go right at their, their sensitivities and their insecurities, like committed free trader, Larry Kudlow, good capitalist. He is now pressed into service to defend Trump's asinine trade policies. One well-timed tweet with the right nickname could just destroy the guy. Saw Kudlow on CNBC, used to have credibility, now all his friends are laughing at Tariff Larry. Tariff Larry trying to tell real businessmen who used to respect him that a trade war is good for the markets. Jim Cramer, Ron Insana, David Faber, all laughing over on Fox Business, Maria Bartiromo laughing too, money honey laughs at Tariff Larry, sad. I would even use some some Trump nicknames that Trump himself 
has generated, I would, were I to be named Shadow Trump. I guess this is where this is all going. Like, um, beleaguered Jeff Sessions, very beleaguered, not doing enough to stop crime. You can't spell beleaguered without AG and without Jeff Sessions in the job, the AG wouldn't beleaguered. Okay, I'm workshopping that one. But it all comes together with this tweet that we're going to wrap in a bow. This is the ultimate Shadow Trump. When beleaguered Jeff indicts Swampy Scott, will the Treasury have enough money to fund the prosecution or will Tariff Larry bankrupt us first? Asking for a friend. On the show today, I spill out the governor of New York and his near obsession with ganja. But first, The Brothers Karamazov is a philosophical Russian novel that tackles issues of mortality, death, and love. The Brothers Kondabalu, well, that's pretty much the same with those guys, except the word order. It's called the Kondabalu Brothers. There are the podcast that pairs Hari and Ashok Kondabalu, and this podcast can go anywhere. Let the conversation that follows be a small indication of that. The Kandabalu brothers are indeed Kandabalus and brothers. Ashok, well, you ever hear of the rap group Das Racist? Thank the hype man, because that's one of the things he did. Never heard of him? Can't blame the hype man. Hari Kandabalu is a great comedian. He's not just into human rights. He literally is a master of human rights. And his uh, Hulu documentary on Simpsons character Apu got many plaudits and credits. An interesting look at that. Together, these two guys have a new podcast, which is based on a long-running live show they've done and do. It's basically two brothers talking to each other in front of an audience, sometimes acknowledging the audience. Hey, guys, thanks for coming in. Thanks, Mike. You hey. should know it's true TV. It's, oh, it's true, true TV. TV. Here's the thing, man. If people want to see it, they'll find it. Yeah. And if they want to criticize it, they don't need to see it to do that. So True TV has the first round of NCAA games. Yes, correct. Has, <laughs> has I believe, like the uh, the wacky um, prank show. Yeah, that's right. right? Yes. And then, Several, actually. Yeah, you with the the sociological look at correct. a beloved comic book character. That is correct. That's their, uh, how, what's the age difference between you Two and guys? a half. Two and a yeah. half. Mm-hmm. How close were you guys growing up? Very we were close. always really close. I mean, Ashok never, like... It's I never bullied my younger brother. If anything, Ashok was always the tougher one anyway. <laughs> so, and it's two and a half years, which I know doesn't seem like a lot, but I think it's pretty clear I'm the older one and he's the younger one. The dynamic, like in the podcast, like I think it's fairly, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I was thinking about the podcast, which is, uh, we've never met Ashok, but you and I have, and Hari, you're a guy who definitely wants to have some radical changes in society. And yes. yet, on the podcast... <laughs> You want society to be remade and ordered in a better way. You don't want anarchy, and you no. are also not one of these, I'm going to drop out and just live on my own. You want everyone yeah. to get together and agree on a better way to do yes, things. Yes, yes. And I- that's conservative in a way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Wavecast is what it should be called. And if people who end up Wavecast listening- is better. Okay. Check out, check out our Wavecast. I'm doing a new Wavecast with my friend. We don't it's call. Better. Yeah, but here's the problem. Then when we promote the show, it's like tell us about your new podcast. We don't call them podcasts. We call them wavecasts. Wave like it immediately. It doesn't matter what we say. We're we're seen as as rabble rousers. Still needs to be changed, and we should sacrifice 
to show our careers, our lives. I'm not. To be I'm the not. Person out. Fuck that. I'm not. I'm 35. Somebody else has to fight those battles. <laughs> we're calling them a podcast, and we're gonna stick with it. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 a little uptight. I mean, that's, <laughs> I talk about revolution, but when I actually think of revolution, it seems very messy. Yeah, <laughs> it seems like it's a, a, not a lot of order. People in the streets killing each other. Mm. Like it's not the way I I would do things. You know, my revolution has more committee meetings. <laughs> that's the problem. Well, that is the real that is the real way that all the revolutionaries these days are operating. Like the yeah yeah Occupy Wall Street. Oh, I a mean, a lot of committee meetings. Great organization though. These yeah. kids, man. These Parkland kids. I don't. I used to hate group work in high school, how these kids pulled it off. Well, you know what it is? Were you in the drama club or the debate club? They're all no. the drama kids. Oh, yeah. And so the journalism completely... kids. Yeah. yeah. So after uh, college, you go to different colleges? Uh, I went to Bowdoin College. Ashok, uh, well, he has an interesting story. I mean, college? Yeah. I barely uh, went to my last two years of high school, but was allowed to uh, graduate with a New York State degree, but not an official Stuyvesant High School. It's a public specialized science high school degree. And then I spent three... So, like, wait, wait. Uh-huh. So you were physically at Stuyvesant, but just not doing classes? No, I, I, I very rarely came in for the last two years, but... Um, and just to and just to so people from outside New York understand, yes. Stuyvesant High School, basically a school that many Asian parents would kill a guy to get their mm. sons and daughters into. Yes. And you just frittered it away. Yes, okay. I, was, I, I, I am aware and extremely guilty about having wasted my, my position and slide at Stuyvesant High School. Yeah. I wouldn't say extremely All you have guilty, to do is test in. I guess you tried to test out and they kind of let you. They didn't want to blow their retention rates. So they, you, what, what, what would happen is every time I showed up, yeah. you know, every month or every couple of weeks to hang out <laughs> and they found me and they were yeah. like, it's that kid. I'd be brought to the guidance counselor. The guidance counselor is very sweet. You know, I go in there and be like, I'm bummed out and I don't care about this and I'm sad, which is true. <laughs> and they'd be and she'd be like, All right, you're gonna have to go to class, but you can leave today and then I come back a month later and that kinda went on for two years. Wow. So, so Mike, for like two plus years, none of us knew this was going on. Parents didn't know, I didn't know. Because a show like when it was time for report cards, he would get his own report cards printed. With fake grades. So we all thought he was like a National Honor what? Society. He would do these fake things and we'd get away with it, just getting lazier and lazier. The last report card of his high school career, he does it by hand. <laughs> he changed the grades by hand. And that's how we figured out what was happening. Wait, so were you taking the actual report card and fiddling with it or are you just making up no, your No, scanning and yeah. photoshopping. And d- does it look like the real report card? Yeah, except the paper uh, stock was a little thicker. Very. You'd have to be some sort of currency official to detect that. <laughs> right, pretty well. Because they, they probably, your parents didn't have the actual Stuyvesant paper stock to compare it to. Right. They got what? Your like, freshman year report card. Right. And, and they it, didn't hold on to those. And it had right. been years since they had rubbed yes. it between their fingers. So Brilliant. They didn't know Until he it's decided so to use a pen at the very end of it. <laughs> Unbelievable. Some would say you were trying to get caught. True? Um, no. No, not at that time. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do with all your free time? How did you oh, help society? I would society? take the train to... Well, how did I help society? It's not a fair <laughs> question to pose to my 16-year-old self. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I took the train to far-flung stops a lot of the time. Okay. Just to kind of know what the rest of the city was. That's you know? cool. Would you would you say you've been to more subway stops than most people you know? Absolutely, yeah. that's good. Yeah, All right. but a lot of the time I'd, I'd so I'd go on these ten twenty mile walks, 
uh, back to school a lot of the time to hang out with my friends after school. So I'd be like, what is Bay Ridge? You know, I'm from Queens. I'm going to high school in downtown Manhattan. I don't know what Bay Ridge is. Let's take the train to <laughs> Bay Ridge and walk back to downtown Manhattan. It seems terrible, and yet there are some aspects to it that seem a little like the urban version of Walden. Like, you, it was a journey into yourself. Absolutely. You were exploring your surroundings. Absolutely. I wouldn't recommend it for most, but... It, did Walden... Uh, did uh, the road... Actually, I would recommend it for most. Not, not in lieu of going to high school. Yeah. But at some point in your life, I feel like, uh, you know, if you move to a city or even if it's the city where you're from and you, and you don't really know what constitutes the city in terms of neighborhoods, yeah. walk around 10, 20 miles. And if, you're an adult, car. and if you're an adult, just fake the paycheck that comes. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, your Thoreau comparison. Did Thoreau, Thoreau, apt as it is. <laughs> did, did, did Thoreau uh, smoke a lot of weed? <laughs> well, no, not technically weed. Right. Yeah, I'm sure he if he did, need it would have He was already there. But the fact that you weren't just mostly playing video games oh, absolutely is, is, not. is impressive. No. All right, so did you go to college? Yeah. Um, well, shockingly, despite yeah. all this, he still made it into UMass Amherst and the University of Miss, uh, Wisconsin-Madison. Yeah. Mm. Those are selective colleges. I had intentions of, go- of becoming a journalist. Uh-huh. And uh, then I went to UMass because I wanted to be a social worker. Yeah. I spent, uh, I believe, three odd weeks there, the, the orientation and afterwards. And then I, um, we got some percentage of the tuition back. And then I took a Greyhound bus uh, without telling my parents to my friend's apartment and lay low for a week while I tried to figure it out. Uh-huh. Because I just knew almost immediately when classes began, within two days of, be- of not going to them, I was like, I don't have the discipline to do this, but I'm I'm older and this costs money now, and I'm in fucking Massachusetts. Right. Yeah. And so when did Das Racist come up? Sorry, this is the uh, Ash, Ash No, 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 I, lo- no, no, star, no, I love this. No, I, honestly, like as a listener, I'm really intrigued. <laughs> yeah, I want to know about this guy who seems like highly functional yet spent most of his time on the G train. <laughs> I mean, the weird thing about it is my brother is the smartest person I know. And I've said Definitely this Definitely not true. I, I would say it's true. And I, and I think the strange thing is because, you know, most people like who went to college, you don't read the full books. No. You read what you got to read. Right. Ashok reads the full books. Yeah. He, like, references things nobody would know. Yeah. When we're on stage, I mean, it's very open. Mm-hmm. And we talk about a lot of things with great detail. And I always learn stuff I didn't know about you, like, constantly. You know, I mean, there's that one section of the show called Ashok Tell Me the Truth. Yeah. Which is basically me asking him about something from high school when he was younger or whatever. Like, did that actually happen or did you lie to me? Uh-huh. And th- I mean, that's always fun. Are you going to run out of those? No. <laughs> you've, I mean, you've seen this yeah. interview. I've yeah. learned stuff. Yeah. Does mom know this? Have you broken this news? <laughs> I, I haven't blamed her for <laughs> my years in the wilderness yet, but I will tonight. Has she uh, and your dad come to terms with it? Like, they're, I'm sure they're happy where you are now, but when they look back, they're like, they could either say, well, it got him to where he was or I regret that and it's embarrassing I to think us it's still. More, I think it's somewhere in between or something altogether different where it's like I'm I'm glad that's over and I don't know what that was. I certainly could have lived a different life if I wanted to. Yeah, but if that was true then we wouldn't have a podcast on, true. on Earwolf. That's yes. true. <laughs> Back it all worked out. Yeah, we got a podcast out of it. Everything I, is so glorious. And the, po- <laughs> and the podcast is a bit more structured than this with regular segments. Barely. Like overrated. Yeah. Barely. You allow yourself to have <laughs> the leeway the overrated, underrated, <laughs> that time in India. How many times have you been to India? Oh, God. I mean, I've been probably like seven or eight times. The show's probably would have been about four, something like that. Six or seven. Six but seven. three or four when I was old enough to You'll be able process. to mine that time in India for oh, yeah. what, till you get to the 200th episode? Oh, yeah. I mean, my God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and plus, I also kind of, I want to add stuff with, with our parents. Like, I was thinking about, like, getting mom and dad on to do, mm-hmm. like, 
you know, their stories of coming here yeah. and like that first year mm-hmm. here or, or like what it was like when they left. I mean, all that stuff. I feel like it's rich material in that. Mm-hmm. And plus, I, I would just, like to do some coaching with them beforehand. Mom is fine. You can't coach true, dad. Dad true. is uncoachable. Right. In a good way? Uh, he believes that it's less about quality, more about quantity. Mm-hmm. In jokes, in terms of jokes. Well, yeah. He's like, I went for three hours. Oh. The people were, and it's like he... <laughs> He, I think for him, it's the it's the quantity. This is how much that it was an endurance contest. Yeah. I mean, maybe it harkens back to a pre-internet uh, or even television time where the, <laughs> the time had to be story. filled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have it to pass a, the day. There's a value oh. to and that, and it wouldn't yeah. be seen as rude to just curl up and pass out at the foot of the storyteller. It was just an on. <laughs> it would wash over you, and then you'd come out of it and awake, and the storyteller would still be going on. I mean, <laughs> the crazy thing Ashok and I have talked to is my dad actually has incredible stories, stories of living in New York in the 70s but those stories just like magically show up one day it's never whenever he tells a story there are these long-winded ridiculous things and every now and then in passing he'll he'll talk about yeah I used to love uh, Laura Branigan and uh, Donna Summer and I used to listen to them when I was stocking shelves in a Dwayne Reed in Manhattan in the 70s and the kids would come in wearing these costumes from Studio 54 or we'll be driving around and, I'm like, what? and tell what a story you... about yeah. like oh I remember this block in Flappish used to be a terrible block he doesn't understand what the interesting parts mm-hmm, are exactly the parts that are incredibly compelling about his life i mean i didn't know that my dad lived in louisiana for the first year of his time in america until i was like 27 wow like he just never came up and then he's like yeah yeah i used to live in a small town in louisiana and i'd go to the superdome to see uh you know roberta duran fight i'm like <laughs> what you liked boxing you lived in louisiana like, none of this came up. So this would mean, though, the three most famous South Asian comic voices in America would all prominently feature their parents in their work. Is that true? Don't you think you, oh, Aziz, that's... Kamal? And, uh, Hassan. Hassan's uh, show, uh, Homecoming uh, King, is about his relationship with his father. Hassan Minaj. Hassan yeah. Minaj, yeah. right? That's a newer phenomenon because we're a newer phenomenon. South Asian <laughs> funny people yeah. that we recognize yeah. as such? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think it's been, it's been about like a decade, 15 years. It's not that, been that long since we were allowed to talk publicly. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast, it's five or six episodes old. You did this show at Littlefield for years and years that I've seen. Would you say that more of your conversation, since becoming adults, more of your conversation meaningful conversation, not just, you know, the business of uh, when are you going to come? Okay, it'll be two. More meaningful conversation has happened in front of a microphone, performing for an audience uh, than in, in regular life. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. a lot of revelations yeah. and, and uh, legitimate learning experiences. God, that's a really good question. Yeah, yeah. That, that was true. I mean, it's weird, but, but it's y- true. I barely, I mean, I talk to my sister all the time. I try to never have a meaningful conversation with her. Yet, if we had a podcast, where we had you would to. talk about sure. it all the time. Sure. I mean, when we initially started doing it, I think part of it, for at least for me, was to hang out with my brother. You know, we we had been apart for a really long time, and when we were growing up, we were inseparable, like constantly together. Like, you know, it, I I would rarely hear my name as just Hurry. It would be Hurry and Ashok. Like we were kind of always mm. attached. We'd have birthday parties. Like friends would invite us to their parties when we were kids, and we'd always bring the other. Yeah. Even if they weren't invited. Yeah. Like they would ha- my brother would have to come or I wouldn't go. Mm-hmm. So we went we were kind of inseparable and then there were these years, key years where like I had no idea what was going on in my brother's mm-hmm. life. This kind of ability to do a live show, which we started around 2009, 2000, yeah, 2009 I'd say, 
it allowed us to talk freely, mm-hmm. you know, in a way that it's for a thing, but because it's for a thing, we have to let these things go. And I think what the great thing about the show now is before, I mean, we would, we would yell at each other. We'd get into fights on stage. <laughs> we'd get emotional on stage, but in a way that wasn't controlled because it felt like a weird group therapy session where it was always our turn. Yeah. And now it's like we ha- we know each other even better. We're much closer than we ever have been. And I feel like, you know, I, I definitely love what we're doing with the podcast. And I really don't hear anything else like it, to be honest. Well, it's an interesting way to also think about how two people who grew up very close, 13 years in the same household, what happened that we ended up so differently. You know? That's always fascinating. Yeah. 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 And, and I feel like every year a couple more pieces fall into place, but it'll never be anything that you can concretely you know, figure One out. One day when you're 104, <laughs> I, I got it! A show Kandabalu, Hari Kandabalu, are the titular Kandabalu brothers. The podcast is on Earwolf. Their live show is recorded at Littlefield. In fact, April 22nd at Littlefield in Brooklyn is the next live show. Their podcast called the Kandabalu Brothers is available now. And if you want to see Hari live April 7th, at the Wilshire Ebel Theater in LA. Hari and Ashok, thank you guys so much. Thank you so much. And now the spiel. Cynthia Nixon, who is running for the Democratic nomination for governor of New York, came out for marijuana legalization. Because Hollyweird is wild for the wacky tobacco, am I right? So some reporter asked the current occupant of the governor's mansion if he too endorsed the platform Yes We Cannabis. Andrew Cuomo was quoted in the New York Times as saying, well, actually, I'm not going to just say the quote. I'm going to share with you how I was made aware of the quote. Here's my producer, senior producer, Mary Wilson. She presented me with the governor's quote in this way. Okay, here's the abridged quote yeah. from Cuomo. He says, This is an important topic. It's a hotly debated topic, and it'd be nice to have some facts in the middle of the debate once in a while. Okay, that seems fine. Now tell me, was there a pun in that sentence? Was there a pun in what you just read? A pun. Maybe something with hotly debated. Like <laughs> you, you have to light a marijuana cigarette, but now with... With vaping and with uh, edibles, I don't know that you need heat. But I, no, I do not think any of that qualifies as a pun. Why do you ask? Because here's what the governor thought. Okay. This is an important topic. It's a hotly debated topic. Pardon the pun. And it'd be nice to have some facts in the middle of the debate once in a while. So he flagged himself for creating a pun, even though there is clearly no pun there. no pun there. Okay. I mean, I guess if he had said something like, this is the kind of issue that sparks the public's imagination and it comes across the desk of a governor in his role of the highest officer of the state, you know, if he pledged to work on it 24-7 to say nothing of 420, that would be a pun. But yes, what Governor Cuomo said is not a pun. Although if he had said the pun, you said he would have been voted out of office very quickly. Yeah, and that would have been fair. All right, but he would he would definitely get my vote. Thank you, Mary. But you know, it is kind of odd that my governor, knowing him as I do, was so unable to make an actual bona fide marijuana reference. 
Yes, he's 60 and he's been in politics all his life. So maybe he's still of the generation that thinks any association with marijuana could kill a political career. But what I did was I delved into the record of his public comments. And I found that Andrew Cuomo is constantly making marijuana references. This is basically all the guy talks about. It's kind of crazy. Marijuana references, both oblique and overt. Our federal government is working to roll back so much of what we have done. (laughs) Yeah, they are. He really dug the trenches for sewer pipes. Oh, was it it just the pipe, Mr. Governor? Your big box of paper. That's all? Uh, They're roaches. Aha. And what, if I may ask, my first dude... What are your favorite strains of herb? The grand dragon of the old dinosaurs. Trippy and mellow, I do have to say. And where do you source your product? 407 acres on Jamaica Bay. I get it. That is the stuff right there. How much value would you place on your stash? A record high of $800 million. Oh boy. If you got them, smoke them. Am I right? Are we fired up today? We are now. In fact... I think it's kicking in. Whoa. What was that stuff that you were saying to me, right, when you were, like, just getting out of your head a little bit? There are special words that you remember when they're said. Like the word aardvark. Somebody says aardvark in a sentence, you remember it. I have an aardvark. You will remember that. (laughs) My daughter is a cyclops. You will remember that. Totally, dude. Oh, my God, I got to write that down. That is so good. I never thought of it like that. Listen, Andy, do you want to go to White Castle? What? Oh, you want to break out the hard stuff? I I don't know, man. Like what? The double track on the Ronkonkoma line. You know what, man? That's cool. That's cool. That's just not my scene, right? You hang out. You know, you do what you need to do. I'm going to go. I'm going to listen to some Almond Brothers. Maybe I'm going to crash. Like, no judgment. Totally no judgment. Just not my thing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, nip it in, in the bud. You get it. You so get it. And this has been our special gist version of Dude, Where's My Susquehanna River Dam Bond Issue. By the way, Postscript, and, and we did have a little fun at the governor's expense there. It was all, it was all just in chiding him uh, good-naturedly, I hope. But... In my research, I actually did come across one piece of sound, and I will play it for you. And it is real. It is not edited. And I do not know if he knew what he was saying, but I also do not think this piece of sound, this cut of tape, I don't think it was by accident. Here, let's just listen. I think there's great, a great opportunity in uh, hemp farming. Hemp can be used for many, many products. I think it's a budding industry. There was no pause or smile in his delivery, no laugh, no chuckle, no acknowledgement. Maybe someone else put it in his speech and he was just reading it. I I think, though, what that proves is our thesis, after all, that Andrew Cuomo has no idea what a pun about marijuana actually is, and our work is done. And that's it for today's show. Pierre Super Lemon Haze BNMA produced the gist and that sweet sitar solo. Mary Jane Wilson is the gist senior producer, and her middle name is definitely not Jane. She wants her to know. 
Steve Bubba Kush Liktai is executive producer of Slate Podcasts, which he likes to ease you into gently while experiencing a calm euphoria. The gist. We are an earthy skunk whose effects are clear-headed and uplifting. They just won't slow you down, especially if you listen on double speed. Oomperoo, deperoo, dooperoo, and thanks for listening.